Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, June 9th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Washington's top securities watchdog plans an overhaul of U.S. equity markets. Municipal debt is back in fashion. And our consumer industries reporter Patricia Nilsson has spent the past year and a half investigating the global business of pornography. I've never looked into an industry where it is so difficult to find out who actually controls a company. Patricia is co-hosting a new podcast series that lays out what she found. It's called Hot Money. She'll tell us a bit about it on the show. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Yesterday, the head of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission called the U.S. stock market uneven. It's not clear, given the current market segmentation, concentration, lack of level playing field, that our current national market system is as fair and as competitive as possible for investors. I think we can do better here. Gary Gensler has asked his staff to consider some major changes, including a possible auction process to increase competition between services for retail investors. Here's our U.S. Capital Markets correspondent, Nick McGaugh. Gensler has been concerned since he took over at the SEC last year about the treatment of retail investors and specifically kind of what happens after you click buy on your Robinhood or Schwab or whatever it is, stock trading app, and where that order goes next. At the moment, it's generally sent by brokers towards big wholesale trading firms. They promise to give you a slightly better price than what you probably saw advertised, but we could be talking hundreds or tenths of a cent on each share sometimes. And in exchange for that, those trading firms pay the brokers for it. Now, the concern is that that is a bit of a conflict of interest. It's not necessarily leading to the best outcomes for normal people. Now, some traders are are clearly not happy with this. Why? And uh, how much pushback is Gensler getting? Perhaps unsurprisingly, the people who are most upset are those who are doing quite well out of the current setup. I mean, brokers like Robinhood offer commission-free trading to customers. The way that they can fund that is by getting paid for sending their orders to specific wholesalers. So if that changes, that could drive up costs for everyone, is their argument. The, The trading firms themselves also argue that the current system works well, and there's a sort of broad sense that they feel like the SEC hasn't done enough to prove what's going wrong at the moment. Like they've not done enough to show what is a better alternative. Nick McGaugh is the FT's U.S. Capital Markets correspondent. U.S. municipal bonds had a terrible start to the year. Just a reminder, muni bonds are what cities and states issue to fund big spending projects like airports and roads. There were huge muni sell-offs earlier this year, but last month when a utility company in the Midwest issued $200 million in debt, there was so much appetite the company lowered the yield on its offering, and demand was still higher than the number of bonds available. That wasn't the only muni bond in big demand. Here's the FT's Kate Duguid. At the start of this year, investors were really concerned about rising inflation and the rising interest rates that would come with rising inflation. That's kind of shifted now to fears about economic growth. And so with it, we've seen this uh, in the stock market. 
investors have moved out of riskier assets. And we've also seen it in munis. So they offer a decent amount of yield for very little risk. Going into a potentially recessionary environment where companies may be um, defaulting, where they may be declaring bankruptcy, munis end up providing a lot more stability. One big fund manager is forecasting that munis this quarter will even outperform the favorite of all safe assets, U.S. government treasuries. I do think that part of what's happened, right, is that munis had gotten so, so cheap. And at that point, it's hard to not start attracting bargain hunters. One thing that I've been hearing from investors is that a lot of the investors who are getting into munis at this point are kind of non-traditional, right? It may be hedge funds. It may be investors who don't necessarily benefit from the tax-exempt status of munis. And those people don't always stick around for a long time. So that part might be fleeting. But it is the case that the fundamental backdrop, this shift from fears about inflation and rising rates to fears about recession, are supportive of munis. Kate Duguid covers U.S. capital markets for the Financial Times. Our consumer industries reporter, Patricia Nilsson, has spent the past year and a half investigating one of the most secretive industries in the world, porn. How does the industry work? Who owns the biggest websites? Who's making the money? Her reporting is now a podcast called Hot Money, which she co-hosts with our global media editor, Alex Barker. This is Hot Money, a show about power and finance from Pushkin Industries and the Financial Times. Patricia joins me now to talk more about this. Hey, Patricia. Hi, Mark. So is porn at all like other industries you've covered? Can you, can you compare it at all? It's a good question. I mean, there are some industries, say cannabis, that face similar issues in terms of being kind of in the gray zone of what is legal and what is not legal. And also, you know, a lot of these companies face stigma. It's difficult for them to make business. But basically, I would say no. I mean, I've never looked into an industry where it is so difficult to find out who actually controls a company. I mean, the corporate structures that some of these biggest companies and and some of the biggest companies in this industry have, they're they're just so complex. (laughs) It is, and they're designed like that to hide who really controls and and profits from them. Yeah, I think one of the things that's really interesting, and you mentioned this in the first episode of Hot Money, is that a lot of the people, the owners of these porn streaming companies, they stay secret because they don't want to put their image at risk. A lot of the subject matter here is it comes down to the fact that people are uncomfortable talking about porn, right? I mean, I think you're absolutely right. And it's not just porn. I mean, what's really making us feel uncomfortable is sex and sexuality. I mean, that's what people feel uncomfortable about, right? Because our sexuality can reveal quite a lot about some of our deepest, darkest secrets. But the thing about the porn industry in itself, I mean, it relies on people to be very exposed, right? And and do the most intimate things in front of a camera. And, you know, with the online industry, once it's uploaded, you can never really get rid of it, right? It's going to be there forever. And so there's this discrepancy then when you have people who are actually profiting from the industry saying, oh, you know, I'd really rather not have my face attached to it. You know, there's a bit of a hypocrisy there, no? 
I, I know the series isn't fully out yet, so you can't give us any spoilers, but who were some of the most interesting people you've come across in your reporting? Well, I mean, it's difficult to pick a favorite. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the the interview that we got with Fabian Tillman was fantastic. Just remind us who Fabian Tillman is. Fabian Tillman is the man who founded, essentially, the company that today is MindGeek and is one of the, if not the world's biggest porn company, you know, then definitely the most dominant company in, in, in the industry. I guess someone has to be the bad guy, right? Because it doesn't work without the bad guy in the end. Change. It just doesn't. I mean, for us, you know, having been trying to figure out for so long what happened in those early years and, and you know, what financial institutions enabled the roll-up of, of the porn industry. Uh, and to just have one of the people who was at the center of it just talk us through it was, you know, was quite amazing. I mean, <laughs> you have to imagine how geeky Alex and I were at that point. <laughs> we, I think we spent almost four hours with Fabian Thillman and, yeah. It, to us, it was extraordinary. Patricia Nilsson is the co-host of the FT's Hot Money podcast. It's about the porn industry. The first two episodes are out, and you can get them wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, Patricia. Thank you, Mark. You can read more or listen more to all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.